there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous. And truly, truly, it brings up some backstory that maybe we should have just left buried, because it, it, oh man, it just doesn't work in retrospect. I love it. Episode 51, Out of the Past. A.K.A. what should have been the 50th episode. Or like the end of season one or something. This is the backstory episode, where we find out a whole bunch of stuff that in retrospect makes a whole lot of other things seem really weird. And it's not written by Christy Marks. This is by Michael Charles Hill. This is his only gem writing credit. Though he was a production associate for like 19 episodes of Gem and the Holograms, a lot of it was season one stuff. He also was the associate producer for like all of the original Transformers cartoon and co-producer for like all of G.I. Joe. Why would they put him on this? Uh, let's see what Rock Jim says. In an interview by A. Algar Productions, Michael Charles Hill reveals that in addition to the duty as a staff producer, he had in his contract that he had to write a certain amount of scripts for Sunbow cartoons each year, and was getting close to renewing his contract, and he hadn't reached that amount of, at the time. He had about six scripts left to write. Sunbow requested that he write for Jim, and he was originally against writing for a quote-unquote girls show and he wasn't very involved in Jim at that point as he preferred G.I. Joe and Transformers. So he went and wrote a script for Jim that he never thought they would approve of by telling the backstory of Jerrica's Kimber's parents and how their mother died. Huh. He just had to write the script and so he wrote something that he never thought they'd approve. So this is a double dog dare? Yeah. Oh my god that explains so much. That explains so much about Eric in this episode. Okay. So with all that in mind we start in the attic where we promptly mentioned that Mrs. Bailey exists again. They apparently promised Mrs. Bailey they'd clean out the attic for reasons. And then Jerrica, while cleaning, notices this giant chest that she's never seen before. Really? Because it's bigger than she is. Yeah, how has she never seen this thing? This looks like the kind of thing that a pirate keeps all their booty in. But it's filled with stuff that belonged to their mom. And also, like, little glamour shots of their daddy. They find a whole bunch of sheet music that Jackie wrote. I guess she wrote, quote, hundreds of songs, according to Aja. And then they also find a diary. And they're like, he's dead. He won't care if we read his diary. Where does it start, says Kimber? Does it mention me? It actually apparently starts with March 6th. It's an entry about Rio. Rio's family just moved in next door to the Starlight House. And we get a really creepy shot of baby Jerrica at the age of 10 staring through the window, her mouth agape as she watches Rio move in. Cave and Rio are hanging out, Cave Starlight, and Rio has a very keen mind. He's a natural technician. He has a keen mind? Really? This guy? No. What happened? What happened? Also, Jerrica is only 10 and already interested in boys. It's almost as though the pervading media culture insists that she be interested in boys as soon as she is old enough to be cognizant. But that would be silly. I guess we're doing this. Yep, we're doing this. And also, because this is basically like the 60s or 70s or something, in comes Jackie Benton. Now you would think that would be spelled J-A-C-K-I or something like that. No, it's J-A-C-Q-U-I, thank you very much. Jackie! Uh, she wears a sleeveless pantsuit for a lot of this episode. Look, it was a thing in the 70s. Oh, golly, it was. And she's like, Jerrica's set the table for five. Rio's joining us for dinner. Just Rio, not his parents? Just Rio. I'm not sure Rio has parents. And Jerrica, like, runs off like, oh, Rio! And Kimber lets open her mouth and does this unholy screech. Jerrica's love! Jerrica's love! What is that? 
It sounds like in A Christmas Story, when Ralphie gets a bad grade on his theme and the teacher writes a note that says, you'll shoot your eye out, and he imagines his mom and the teacher both mocking him. Y'all shoot your eye out! Y'all shoot your eye out! It reminds me of the Nazgul from Lord of the Rings is what it reminds me of. You know, Baggins, Shire, Jericho's in love, all those classic lines. So they're like, oh, great. That was great. I love hearing about Rio. Let's read some more, Jerrica. And she's like, instead, June 30th, and we meet young Aja. A foster girl who they are taking in at about the age of 11. So the same age that Jerrica is at the time. She has an awkward bowl cut, much like the one I sported until sixth grade. That's just the look, I guess. Jackie, meanwhile, is in her suit to welcome in Aja, and it's this amazing purple Joker suit with a giant lilac bow. And huge shoulder pads. Of course they're huge. And uh, it turns out Jerrica and Kimber weren't, like, super interested in having another kid live with them, and Jackie actually gives motivation that accounts for a lot of stuff in the show. Yeah, because Jackie, it turns out, was a foster girl. And now to, like, pay it forward, now that she has a home and a family of her own, she wants to give that to other foster girls. Which explains so much, and why didn't we know this before now? We just have this now. It's episode 51. 51. It took us 51 episodes to get here. On some other date in the diary, Jackie has decided to finally resume her music career. Yeah, it turns out that... Kimber and Jerrica's mom is a famous singer and nobody's brought this up? Who, a prolific songwriter, according to this. No, this never comes up. We don't care. It all started with the death of my father. Moving on. Ugh. And also, Jackie is resuming her music career, so they open a whole record company just for her called Starlight Music. Cave Starlight does not do anything halfway. He really doesn't. Because he also says, I'm also setting up the Starlight Foundation to support more of Jackie's foster girls. So I guess this company was founded upon the tradition of only having one to two musicians signed to your studio then. He only really cared about having one, i.e. his wife. Now we switch ahead to November 13th, where Shayna moves in. Shayna shows up. She's especially sad and they know that she's pretty quiet. And then we skip right ahead to April 29th. So it's been like five months since Shayna moved in and she's still very sad. Jerrica's trying to catch Rio's attention. Shayna, meanwhile, feels lonely and Cave Starlight's like, she's so focused on getting Rio's attention. I wish she'd focus on Shayna instead. They've just been ignoring Shayna for like almost six months. We also find out that Rio and Aja are apparently childhood friends because they're both gearheads. This never comes up. At all. So eventually, Jerrica runs in to talk to her mom, who's in the kitchen. And the kitchen looks a lot like one of the kitchens in Starlight Mansion. Actually, now that I think about this, this doesn't look like Starlight House at all. Whose house is this? Maybe the Bentons had their own house, and then they also had a foster house? Maybe. It's really not very clear. And so Jerrica's like, Mom, how do I get Rio to like me? And her mom's like, well, first, you need to stop chasing him. But second, why not go focus on Shayna? But she never says anything. Because you never talk to her. This somehow is like such good momming, like such good parenting that she's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll take Shayna some lunch and we'll become besties now. Then we switch ahead to June 6th. Jackie has a sold out performance. She's really, she must be like incredible then if she just seems to do this by herself. So Cave Starlight is very happy because he gets to test some of his new audio equipment. 
and also Rio is here. Rio apparently has a real aptitude for this stuff. Ugh. He mentions that the master tapes, implied thanks to Rio, are of the highest fidelity. Okay. What is the highest fidelity in like 1978? So back in the attic, they're like, what are the master tapes? And then Jerrica's like, oh, they must have recorded my mother singing. We could put out an album of my mom's songs. Yeah, Shana's like, you know, they never got to cut an album, so... Jerrica's like, Lindsay needs to hear about this immediately! You should probably find the tapes first before you announce this to Lindsay. Yeah. But no, they just immediately jump the gun and they're like, Lindsay, put us on your show! And she's like, your mom's vanity project? Absolutely! And then we switch to a live performance of First Love, which was written by Jackie Benton back in the 70s. And that's our first song for the episode. And it's just basically a bunch of little Jerrica crushed on little Rio. It's too bad that there's so much Rio in it because the song's super cute. I actually really like it. If Jerrica's still with her first boyfriend, no wonder the relationship is so awful. Oh my gosh, right? They have no idea. Neither of them have any idea what a healthy relationship looks like because they've been coasting off this teen drama for years. Disclaimer, you can, like, have a healthy relationship with your high school sweetheart, but this isn't a healthy relationship. No, this isn't a healthy relationship at all. That is super rare, and you both really have to work on it to make that whole thing work, and neither of them are working on this relationship at all. They're just kind of in it by default at this point. After this whole announcement where they're like, yeah, we're very excited. We switch to some warehouse where Eric and the Misfits are digging through the boxes of all of the stuff Eric liberated from Starlight Music when he left. What kind of resources did he have to just like carry this stuff? There's like tons of boxes here. Did he carry those out by himself? While they're looking for the master tapes, Roxy is like, who cares about a bunch of songs from some old hippie? I kind of love Jackie Ben being described as some old hippie. I think that's perfect. Roxy has just been on point with Burns in these last few episodes. And then Eric is like, oh, here are the tapes. He holds them up like he's a video game character and he's just found a magical item. Like he holds it up over his head. Like you can hear da 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 And with them, I'll get my final revenge on Jerrica Benton. Wow, really, dude? Really? And that's our commercial break? He's probably gonna like drop a safe on them or something? So back at Starlight, the holograms are also looking for the master tapes and they can't find them. And Kimber's like, why don't we read the diary? Find an entry about me. August 13th. Kimber's very happy because we finally took in a girl younger than her whose name is Leela. Hey, Leela appears again. She's one of the Starlight girls. Moving along, September 5th. Jackie is officiating over a sacred female pact in the girls club. Jackie Benton, coven leader. It seems like this ought to involve a lot more lamb's blood. They do this whole thing where they promise to be friends forever and not let boys tear them apart, which I I can get behind. Boys are not worth losing your friends over. Never, ever, ever choose a boy over your friends. But then I have expected it to be like a, now we're going to slit a man's throat and drink his blood thing. But that never happens and I'm very disappointed. No, they just have lemonade instead. They seal the pact with lemonade. Okay. I also like that this says, don't let boys get in the way of your friendships. That means the girls are fair game. Well, Kimber does actually let her girlfriend get between her and the rest of the band. It's not against the pact. She found the loophole. Kimber's also not a part of this because it's Jerrica, Aja, and Shayna who are signing the pact here. Well, heck, Kimber can do whatever the frick she wants. Kimber is not bound by the laws of man or nature. Or lemonade. All right, so that scene comes to a close. January 31st. 
Jackie and her band are going out of town, and it's a dark and stormy night at the airport. It's the Buddy Holly death plane. Jackie and Jerrica are arguing. If you love me, you won't go. I won't give you a hug and a kiss. Jackie boards the plane, and the plane dramatically crashes. So Jerrica never told her mom she loved her before she died. Her mom died thinking Jerrica was angry at her. And we get this scene with Jerrica, like, crying over the diary and making this album is her last way to reconcile with her mother. This is the most genuine emotion and the best acting we've gotten out of Jerrica in the entire show. What bugs me about this, though, is that the way this is written and she says, I'd forgotten how horribly I behaved. Really? You did? I think you're lying to us right now. I'm pretty sure you've carried that with you every single day. So back in the diary, it's February 8th. It's been one week since Jackie died, and as Cave Starlight writes, life has lost all purpose and meaning. Wow. So this is going well. He's coping. Yeah. The girls come in and they're like, look, Dad, please, just, we'll clean the house, we'll cook and do everything. Just, just please don't, don't. Is this going to get super dark here? I mean, it sounds like they're begging him to keep living. And then they say, don't send uh, Shayna and Aja and the rest of the girls away. It's like, oh, that's not where I thought this was going. It's still kind of dark, but not as dark. No, not that dark. We didn't just take a hard right and a funky winker bean over here. And he says, oh, no, of course not. Of course not. I love you all. And then he says he finds a new reason to live again. Okay. Huh. Didn't occur to you before now that you've got lots of children depending on you and you should keep living for them? You have a house full of daughters who significantly outnumber you? And they're depending entirely on you for their survival? Man, this gets so dark. Do you think that was a minor revision when they said, yeah, okay, but could you take out the part where he directly contemplates suicide? Otherwise, everything is great. Michael Charles Hills just kind of hangs his head. I didn't want this. I did not want this. So we skip ahead a couple of months down the line from February 8th to May 31st, where suddenly Cave Starlight has a science lab now to do his mad science. I don't know what's happening here. He had an idea to link music and 3D holographic images. Which is a thing that definitely existed in the 80s. I think he just saw a rerun of the Jetsons. Because he's like, you can recreate live musical performances in every home in America. Or just give your oldest daughter a pointless alter ego. You know, either or. And then he's interrupted in his musings because a whole gaggle of Starlight Girls rush in, followed by Jerrica and Rio. And Jerrica identifies at least two of them as Anne and Deirdre. I hadn't really thought about this before, but I guess like all of the Starlight Girls would have known Cave Starlight in some regard. Even as, like, a distant father figure, since he was increasingly shut away in his lab. Yeah, I mean, he only died, like, what, two years ago by the show's reckoning? Oh my god, do you think that's part of why Ashley grew so resentful at the beginning of the show? Probably. Was she really close to Cave Starlight? I hope so. So, we also get Teen Jerrica and Teen Rio in this. Teen Jerrica's outfit, though? It's like... Pink high-waisted khaki short slacks, a bright blue and orange sweater vest, and a pink blouse. She's a freaking nerd. In case that wasn't obvious before now. And I kind of love that it's the same haircut as we get in later Jerrica, which means that the five episodes where she had that like flip haircut, that was like the one bad haircut she's had in her life. Rio, by the way, is he's a football jock. He looks like Eddie Brock from Spider-Man. And Cave is like, it comforts me to see that Rio and Jerrica are inseparable. Ugh. Yeah, like, oh, good thing this man is around to take care of all the women in my life after I'm dead. 
Ugh. I can appreciate worrying about your daughters knowing that you're getting older and that you're possibly sick and worrying about how your daughters are going to be. But to have that immediately alleviated by the presence of a teenage boy. Yeah. Generally, teenage boys inspire, you know, the opposite sort of emotion, which is vague unease. We go ahead from like the end of May to November 9th again. So we're back in November. It's been almost a year at this point since Jackie died. And there's big bits and pieces of synergy strewn all out the mad science lab. So he's able to project holograms now. He can make cat, robot, who is definitely not a transformer, toy bear, a really tired looking owl. He's so tired. He's so done. Yeah, he's like, I need to move my lab somewhere where it's quiet. So that these little girls don't keep wandering into my lab full of very dangerous equipment. We come back to the president and I was just like, hmm, it's sure weird how we never noticed him making synergy at all in the slightest over these many, many years. Not much into the tapes, though. Go figure. So that night, Jerrica is apparently doing the taxes for the entirety of Starlight again. It's that time of year again. And Eric calls her up with, Jerrica, darling, how nice to speak with you. Oh, he sleezes all over that phone. It's so good. It's so, so bad. Michael Charles Hill, thank you for writing this. He's like, I have the master tapes and I want a cool million for them. Why does he keep saying a cool million? Who said that in his presence? And he was like, that's the coolest phrase I've ever heard. I'm going to say nothing but that from this point forward. And Jerrica says, I don't have that kind of money. Really? You manage the most famous band in the world. Does every single profit go directly into Starlight Foundation? I can appreciate not having that money liquid, but like there must be stocks or something you can cash in to get it. Throw a fundraiser, save my mother's master tapes, suddenly you win. And simultaneously while doing this, you give bad press to Eric because you're like, yeah, Eric's going to have to buy them for a million. You throw a fundraiser for everything else, Jerrica. So Jerrica's like, I don't have that kind of money. And he's like, okay, instead you could sign over control of Starlight Music. Eric also says that they have until the auspicious hour of 8 p.m. tonight. What is with 8 p.m.? It's not even the witching hour of 3 a.m. or anything like that. Maybe he just has to have a nightcap and get to bed by 8 p.m. He doesn't want to stay up too late. Also, he's like, meet me at my house or I destroy the tapes. He has a house? And also, like, not a neutral location? You're making her go to your house alone? So Jerrica just sort of gets off the phone and she's like, you guys, here's what just happened on the phone. And then we have a commercial break. Memento Mori, your loved ones are dead and all they leave behind is fragile and mortal. Except dolls. So we come back from the commercial break and Kimber's like, well, why don't we just read more of the diary? Sure, let's waste more time. So it's now May 6th. Jerrica is 17 now. Cave Starlight moved his workshop to the drive-in theater, and he gave Synergy a name, and he has not applied for patents at all. He's got to keep it secret until it's finished. May 10th, four days later, he says, I need someone to oversee my affairs at Starlight Music so I can focus on my science. Also, I'm very tired. I'll go see a doctor. Then afterwards, it's like, oh, look, it's Eric who's not young. He looks exactly the same age. And Emmett notes in his diary that Jerrica apparently approves of his choice and Rio might have competition. Ew! Oh, ew. <laughs> oh no! I am delighted by this turn of events. Ew, 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 ew. How old is this guy right now? He's got to be in his 30s or something, right? Maybe late 20s at the most. Oh, no. Ew. He's a young, aggressive assistant. Ew. Jerrica was 17. Ew. June 23rd. 
Rio's home from engineering school for the summer. Rio went to engineering school? Really? Rio? An engineer? Really, Rio? What follows is this sequence where Jerrica decides to use Eric to make Rio jealous. And Rio, being a prat, does a screamy, abusive boyfriend thing and drives off. And all she really did was walk up and had her hand on his arm and introduced him to Rio. That is the extent of what happened. And Rio's response was, I see you haven't had a boring time while I was away. See you around, maybe. Apparently it took Jerrica two weeks to thaw Rio out after that point. Cave Starlight calls that a hard lesson, but one she needed to learn. People listening to us, this is not a healthy relationship. This is a bad relationship. God. I just, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. I hate this. I hate this. What lesson did Jerrica need to learn? And then Jerrica closes the diary and says, poor Rio, I give him such a hard time. Are you freaking serious? Like, yeah, you are like double dating him right now. And that's pretty weird. But this... This is nothing. We skip away from that because Kimber, who had been reading the diary, hands it over to Jerrica and is like, how about you read the rest of this? We're we're getting close to um to the end. Oh no. Oh. It was a really good read from Kimber too. Oh, baby. July first. Synergy's near complete. He's programming her with Jackie's recording and likeness. Just enough to form a personality and voice pattern. He can't stand to make it too much like her. July 6th of the same year, so five days later, Synergy's complete. She's also way more powerful than he ever imagined she would be, and she must be kept secret and out of the wrong hands. Oh my god. He says, I know I won't complete the patents because I don't have long to live. He's not told anybody. He hasn't said, by the way, the doctors say I'm going to die soon. Nothing. So he's just going to drop dead and not give them any time to come to terms with it? What the hell? And just be like, oh, it's better this way. Instead, we skip ahead to next year, February the 2nd. He's preparing for his family's future by bringing a pallet swap Optimus Prime truck filled with glam rock crap. And moving it into the drive. Like, none of the movers involved with this asked any questions. It's all the clothes and the instruments and also the glitter and gold roadster? They loaded it all up beneath this drive-in theater. No one asked anything. He says, Synergy is a gift to them. She's a friend, a mother, teacher, guide. Toaster. Uh, friend? Not really. Mother? Definitely not. Teacher? Eh. Guide, isn't that kind of a synonym? Synergies, like, help them out of an emotional quandary exactly once when Kimber went evil. Other than that, she's just sort of there to be bored and also to make monstrosities. Which I'm sure is definitely what he programmed her to do. So we skip ahead from February 2nd to May 30th, where he made the earrings for Jerrica. The gaudy plastic nightmares. Says I wanted to give them to her personally, but if I don't make it, I program Synergy to give them to her. I know they'll use her wisely. And that's the last entry in the diary. Here comes Synergy, and they're like, you didn't tell us who you really were. Synergy says, I am Synergy. No more and no less. I'm your father's gift of love. Are we about to get into a transhuman thing here? Uh, I don't think so. Then they're like, okay, well, setting that aside for now. No, don't help me use holograms to scare Eric Raymond into giving me back the tapes. I'm going to do this myself for some reason. Why? 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 Anyway, it's time to go to Eric's amazing apartment where he's dressed up like Hugh Hefner. Oh my god. He's wearing a cravat. 
and a purple smoking jacket. And the whole like scene between them has got this really weird vibe, especially with the revelation that Jerrica used to have a thing for him. She says, I came here hoping to find some shred of human decency and compassion left in you. Tapes mean so much to me. Please give them to me. And he's like, really? You want me to do this? And you would think for one brief moment that this would be sort of an, an ally moment where it's like, okay, for the sake of grief, for the sake of loss, we will come together for this. Wrong! Into the fire with you! He just tosses the tapes. Jerrica gives him a real good slap across the face. She should have punched him out. This is, in a history of Eric Raymond doing bad things, this is the worst thing that he has ever done or ever will do. And we're including trying to have them murdered in this. This is holding out their last hope of some sort of emotional closure with the loss of a loved one. And he throws it in the fire right in front of her. Watches her try to reach into the flames to retrieve these tapes that are her last link to her dead mother. Recordings of her voice, no less, which are particularly worthwhile and precious. And he just takes a drink of his wine glass. I just want to repeat, Michael Charles Hill, thank you for writing this. Like, this is what makes me think that he must have just been like, all right, I'll write Eric as actually the most despicable person alive. Surely you won't say yes to this. I'll write the darkest, most emotionally mature possible episode of this entire show. Come at me, bro. And they're like, yeah, we'll call your bluff. Do it. Fine. I will. Okay, good. We'll produce it. Great. I'm gonna keep calling my bluff. Who's gonna win this game of chicken? Sunbow won. So we head back to the mansion. Jerrica enters Synergy's room sobbing and tells them what happened at Eric's. And Kimber says, okay, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. But also, we think we may have found a way to recover the tapes. Yeah, they point out that Synergy was built at least partially from Jackie Benton's recordings, which means that they would have used the tapes to do that, which means that the songs are somewhere in Synergy's memory bank, quote, so deep she doesn't even know about them. She's a computer. She doesn't have repressed memories. That's not a thing. And Aja's like, I think I can retrieve it. How? Are you a programmer? Aja? Listen, Aja is good at things, therefore she is good at computer. And just like, you know, just call me Donatello, because right now I do machines. But Aja's like, okay, I could do this, but here's the thing. I could mess this up so badly that Synergy is completely wiped clean. And they're like, do it! Like, they don't ask Synergy if she's okay with this? If he has the AI who invented the internet and can contemplate mortality? Aja just sort of takes out a little circuit board and pokes at it a little, and somehow that means that she's going through file trees. The rest of the cast just falls asleep, and when they wake up, Aja says she's maybe found something. And it's a whole list of songs, which means that she found those files. They play up a song that Jerrica requests called Starlight. What we hear is the full song. Here's the thing, though. QuickTime, which was the first software that allowed for, like, audio compression effective enough that uh, music could be played on computers properly, was not invented till 1991. This is before 1991. So what they are listening to is the chiptune version of this song. Right. So the actual song that we listen to, it's a sad little ballad about how even if she's gone, she still loves you? Like, did she know she was gonna die? I had a premonition once. I teared up a little. It's a very sweet little song. So after the song finishes up, the record is a hit. Everybody loves music from some hippie. Some old hippie. And also Rio's here. They threatened him the whole episode and now he's actually here. Like, well, where where did the tapes come from? An anonymous source, shut up. 
And she's like, oh, also, sorry again for introducing you as my friend to Eric Raymond that one time. Years ago. He said he'd forgotten about it. Yeah, I don't think he forgot. He was in a snip for two weeks. Of course he hasn't forgotten about it. And Rio and Jerrica are like, oh, smooches. We're such a good, healthy couple. We're terrible for each other. Uh, A few feet away, the holograms all sealed a pact of friendship with Lemonade. And that was out of the past. So, like, let's set all of this grim crap aside for next week, and we'll just talk about Hollywood Gem. And that'll also be part one of the two-parter that'll finish out season two for us. So the Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, you can find us at the Gem Jam just about everywhere, except on Twitter, where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, comment, what have you. Anywhere you find our podcast, especially on iTunes, is super helpful. Helps us get discovered a little more and we like hearing nice things about ourselves please love us if you have some money sitting around and you would like to send that to us and help us make more silly things to talk about on the internet we have patreon at patreon.com slash the gem jam so until next time dear listeners i'm annie i'm kit i'm mac and this has been the gem jam where we remind you that the outrageousness of the father shall be laid upon the children